Okay, so welcome to another episode of the Philly Dev Night Podcast. We are not recording at the Philly Game Forge tonight. We're in a special secret music cave slash location thing. I don't know. Um, but if you didn't know, the Philly Game Forge is the only co-working space uh, for games in Philadelphia. So if you're curious about that, go check out phillygameforge.com for more information. So I'm Nick from PHL Collective, and we're here with a new guest, Actually, our first musician guest ever. Ooh. You should feel special. I do. Um, and why don't you introduce yourself? I, I am Rob Miller. Um, that's pretty much the beginning and end of my, ins- <laughs> my introduction. <laughs> uh, I appeared uh, previously on this podcast stream. Um, the Hypecast, the E3 Hypecast, the, the e- right? E3 Hypecast. I was kind of like, hey, let's do something on a topic rather than a, a person at the Forge to get sort of the developer feel on what's going on at E3 and it, it was alright it was cool Chris had some interesting opinions um, oh crap what's the guy's name <laughs> who Steve hosted yeah, it yeah Steve hosted yeah. it and Steve did a sorry Steve Steve did a, I love Steve um, <laughs> I love many people whose names I can't remember off the top of my head uh, but the, yeah it, it, it was it was fun so m- this is not the first time my voice has been on here but as I introduced myself on there I, I said you know like I'm not an LLC, I'm not any kind of corporation, and, and I don't believe yet I've made a taxable amount of money on <laughs> this music. So you're just Rob Miller, colon, musician. Yeah, <laughs> Rob Miller's music um, guy. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's a fair that's a fair title to put on yourself. It's descriptive and true. Right. Okay. I think on um, my business card, just said, like, I say like composer, you know, like all I these. It's a professional one. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I actually have a music composition uh, major from college, mm-hmm. from Eastern University, and so in a way, I can I can like legit say like, yeah, I'm a composer. You know, <laughs> I I did all of that education <laughs> to yeah. get that level, but as far as like, do I? Compose, you know, people would think like, oh, you write for like what the Philly Orchestra? No, not at all. I write for uh, things that are like much cooler. Yeah, games, <laughs> way cooler in my opinion. Although we'll touch on that yeah. maybe more. Um, okay, so I guess you mentioned Eastern University before we jump into that. Mm-hmm. Um, are you from Philly? No, originally I'm from Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh, the other side, far side of uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Did you grow up with music? Where did music sort of enter your life? Um, whenever I was uh, three years old, I heard the Bangles "Walk Like an Egyptian" playing out of my mom's kitchen radio. I think that's the earliest memory I have of music. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, I, I, well, uh, that, that, of course, you know, music is just this thing that's always been there. Um, and I think something like something like a, those dance tunes I, I was really into you know like when you're a little kid you want more kinetic things mm-hmm. uh, so just like you know a piece of um, Brahms or something isn't going to connect with you as much as you know Uptown Girl by Billy Joel and you something see, like with that perk your ear kind of yeah yeah and especially if there's like a music video attached to it or an activity attached to it um, you know you get into it but uh yeah, and I just I just loved music um, growing up, uh, but not really formally. Uh, you know, like not like um, classical music or things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but I just you know I, I liked I liked the stuff. 
Did um, you start playing anything, or did, like at that age, did you have like, were you banging on like pots and pans for play, playing drums? <laughs> yeah, I woke have? I woke my mom and dad up uh, <laughs> really early on. Uh, they thought a burglar had broken into the house, and actually, I had crawled out of my crib and gone downstairs and opened up the pots and pans and started just hitting them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, these are all my my kind of stories as uh, a musician, but. I wasn't at all interested um, in playing music uh, initially, um, although I really liked it, mm. until uh, I, I got sick in high school and uh, had to get surgery. And that ended up having me be uh, homeward bound or, or homebound, where yeah. it's like a, a tutor would come by and stuff like that. But I just, um, as I was recovering, I couldn't leave or I couldn't go to to school um and I was just I had to like lay on the couch most of the day so that things would heal right and and all this stuff and uh my mom seeing that I was you know a bored teenager Mm -hmm. um went into uh her closet and pulled out my uh my late dad's uh guitar Mm -hmm. um which you know we always knew about We, we would we would play on it every so often kind of just you know do the you know e a d g okay like the the scales yeah yeah just up there and then like uh just sometimes like rake your fingers across the strings to get that weird kind of like chirping sound of you know like uh crickets or whatever Mm -hmm. um so she got this this guitar out and was just like you know you're not going anywhere why don't you (laughs) Why don't you play, try to learn to play the guitar? Okay. And uh, so that kind of sent me down the road. Like, I, I started to figure out, like, oh, okay, like, if you make the string shorter, the notes go higher, you're mm-hmm. going down the fret. Um, you know, and, and eventually we, we went to a music store. We bought new strings because the old ones smelled like rusty pennies. <laughs> uh, the uh, Man, guitars get gross if you leave them alone for too long. Yeah. Uh, but eventually we got a book. Uh, some beginner stuff, um, and uh, you know, I, I kind of went from there onto uh, you know the early internet, looking at tabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, tabs, tabs, tabs are, are just fantastic. I know they're like in a, in a legally gray area, uh, and for a while, I like worked at a company that was like active in condoning and trying to remove them from the internet, <laughs> uh, or condemning rather, but. Um, I, I hold fast that like tabs are one of the main things that led to me developing as a musician and I, I think like that goes for almost any musician you need to be able to communicate with each other mm-hmm. and learn from each other and even if it's wrong even if like one guy's interpretation of a song is different than another guy's that exposes you to like here's different ways to approach what you know sonically is the same thing mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll probably, uh, that's, that's, I guess the long answer to your short question. That's, I mean, that's, you still have, <laughs> you still have your dad's guitar? I don't, my mom has it, um, but, uh, I ended up buying my own, uh, guitar later on, which is the one, the Martin and Company, mm-hmm. uh, one I have right over there, um, and apparently, like, there's this rivalry between like Martin owners and uh, like uh, I forget who Marshall owners or something like that. I'm horrible. Uh, 
I don't care. Like, that's the, actually, yeah. the, the long is short of that. But when I was in college, people would always, like, see me with the Martin. They'd be like, oh, Martin, huh? Well, I play this. And I'd be like, I don't care. This yeah. sounds good. I did, yeah, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Um, so were video games also a part of your life when you were younger? Heck yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, video games, uh, we got a Nintendo uh, NES, 8-bit, mm-hmm. um, one Christmas, and it, my life was never the same. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, my, my mom, I don't know how she got the idea to get it for us. Um, it was, you know, probably just... Low, like I think it was later on in in the Nintendo's lifespan, we got the 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 Mario Duck Hunt uh, combo, the combo pack. Ca- yep. Yeah, um, I can remember. I think we were. I was like in a stroller, and we were at like Toys R Us, and she bought it from like behind, like the guy behind the glass that you had to like take that. a card to. Yeah, like, I used to, my parents used to, like get me Game Boy games, and you had to buy, you had to like pick the t- the the ticket out. Yeah, and had somebody come open the glass to actually like grab you. <laughs> it was the most convoluted, yeah, like, dumbest way possible to like get a game. You can't just have those things out yeah. in the open. Oh, yeah, God, I remember that. That was a pain in the ass. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I I really, but I I don't think my mom thought I was like aware at the time, and, and I just I knew like I saw this thing in this box she got, mm. and you know she that was our Christmas present, um, and you know going down the progression, we we played Mario on a black and white television um just like i guess one that my mom had like inherited from her mom or something mm-hmm. like that the color tv was downstairs but you know the kids had the black and white tv we had this little like screw in adapter yeah the, uh, the, the rf tuner the rf like tuner yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, it, it, you stuck it in the antenna port yep, of the yep. the black and white so for my first exposure to mario was in black and white i didn't know the colors of the game like i figured the game was in color, yeah, but I didn't know what the colors were. So you didn't have the glory of like seeing Mario and Luigi, the red and the green. Yeah, like, right. He, he was like... kind of like gray and grayer. <laughs> and, and at a certain point, we snuck that thing downstairs to the color TV, yeah. and wow, was it like vivid? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, just the the thought of like I'm controlling a thing on the screen was like unbelievable you know like that you would press a button like my brother I think was like watch this and he just like pushes the right button and like Mario just moves and it's like (gasps) (laughs) no way (laughs) and then I'm wondering why the Goomba kills him when he touches him because like what is what touches you at that slow a rate that it kills you yeah so I theorize that the Goombas must have had like razor like blades on like the sides and I think it was the pixels I thought the pixels were like buzz saws <laughs> on the Goomba that would like spin and like kill Mario. Clearly, that's that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so from that moment on, uh, always into video games, loved playing them, and I think the big uh, fusion of video games and music. Um, I mean, while there's like a lot of like I can remember singing like the kung fu music you remember kung fu for mm-hmm. the nes is this where you kick you kick a guy off a cliff right or yeah you're fighting on a cliff yeah, you're, 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 yeah. Dun, dun, dun. yeah. Uh, and it had the most basic music like and i i just remember like running around like singing that while like kicking my brother in the face and like 
you know, it was bad, but I, I think obviously that for a lot of people, this is the, uh, I think for game composers, this is the, the Beatles answer for who's your big inspiration, mm-hmm. um, was uh, Final Fantasy VII, Nubuo Uematsu. Um, while the game was out in Japan, I was downloading MIDI files off of the internet and like piping them through whatever kind of MIDI uh, sound card thing I could make. Because you could MIDI didn't include instrument data. Mm-hmm. Like you had to grab instruments and have the MIDI notes play them. So even then, like I didn't know exactly what the game would sound like when it came out on PlayStation. But I knew those songs before I knew. Um, like the game itself. I knew the game itself, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was, I would like fall asleep to it. We'd be just playing that, that soundtrack on, on repeat. Um, That's interesting though, because I mean that game, for a lot of people, like gamers, developers, whoever, like that's the game for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's, that's the game for different reasons. And this is actually the first time I've heard like musically, Mm-hmm. That's the game from like. Oh yeah. It doesn't like it doesn't beat that. It, yeah. I mean, some people would also argue maybe Final Fantasy VI, um, but I was a Genesis kid, and, and SNES players can go screw themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my brother we got a SNES, and that that was a division in the house at uh, a certain point. But um, I shouldn't mention all the Wii stuff right here. Oh yeah, no, no, I've <laughs> I've become agnostic of, as far as my gaming taste, and now I'm a PC gamer. Okay. Um, so it doesn't even matter anymore. But, um, yeah, no, if you aren't aware, like, Nubuo Uematsu, uh, I think he would write, especially for Final Fantasy VII and VI, uh, prior to X when they introduced voice acting, um, but, you know, still good after that, he would kind of write the way you would for, like, a, a silent film or, or an opera, where the musical motifs are kind of carrying the expression that the... You know, those early characters couldn't. Um, so, you know, like, you, the opening of Final Fantasy VI has just these these people in these lumbering uh, robots, Magitech armor, walking through snow, and it's kind of just this looping animation. But when you add in Uematsu's music, mm-hmm. which is just this awesome march that is slowly building and building and building... It makes it all the more like, oh, where are they going? What are they feeling? This yeah. is awesome. Um, so that that left an indelible mark on on me uh, musically that I didn't even realize was there until I got to college, started composing, and just whenever I would like close my eyes and think of, all right, what do I want to write? Mm-hmm. It ended up coming out that way. Were um, you? Did you like? I mean, because it it sounds like he scored the game. Almost like a composer scores a movie, right? Where right. it's actually picture mm-hmm. and then audio, where you actually compose to what's going on in the scene to carry the emotions, the expressions, the action, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, so would you say like that was kind of how he did it in the game? For certain sequences, okay, uh, yeah. Um, obviously, this is one of the main lessons about video game music: is like you're going to hear this music a lot. You you have to have music that coordinates to events the battle themes and mm-hmm. the, the talking themes, humor themes, things like that. Um, he would, at certain points, you know, like you would have character themes. Um, sure. Like one of the, my favorite pieces is Eris's theme um, from Final Fantasy VII. And just, he, he would kind of like 
create that theme and then you could have that theme interweave into another one uh, at a certain point. Um, I don't think his music was as interactive as uh, other composers of the day would would concern themselves with. He he was probably a little more traditional mm -hmm. one shot, you know, like get from, you know, the the full spectrum of the the music. But he usually made it loopable. I mean, especially something like a battle theme or it something. It needs to be. It yeah. needs to be. Um you know, but that so that was just one example, but you know, I think that was one of the first times where I, you know, I'd be telling people like my grandfather or something just about how cool this video game music was. Mm -hmm. And before that, you know, video game music was was kind of cheesy, you know, it was comical. Mm -hmm. Um it was fun, you know, but that was kind of the the whole point of video game music was just fun. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm sure there's like examples before Final Fantasy VII, obviously. Well, also, I mean, it goes back to what I said before. Like yeah. FF7, for a lot of people, was like it was their game, but it also a lot of people marked it as like the game where games grew up, right? Right. So it was kind of that thing where you had all these different disciplines coming in, mm -hmm. and musically, it really hit on you, and you know, you you kind of broke it down into like, okay, how he did this, how you know, how this happened, how yeah. he scored this, that, the other thing. Um, so it's kind of interesting how like his um, I guess direction for scoring the game also kind of changed how games were scored from that point forward it seems like I, I think so um, it obviously was like you know the boats rising with the water um, there was a there's always been and always has been like a lot of stuff going on with music in, in games and you know I, I realized like this isn't really about me but like <laughs> it, it's the stuff I think about um, you, you can Obviously, like you listen to Zelda, uh, the very first Zelda, and there are mature themes in there, um, but they don't—they don't really get exploited. Maybe until the later games in Zelda, where it's like, oh, I never realized that that overworld music or, or that that certain theme could mean that—that mm -hmm. that it could be related to this character or that character, or I could feel so scared whenever. You know, a certain theme plays, or or so excited when that, you know, like the whole uh, a popular thing to do is like you hold back on that main theme for a while until something heroic happens, and then you kick in yeah. full blast with it, and just everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, the main theme. You don't even realize you're thinking that, but like you you feel it in your emotions, just mm -hmm. like yes, everything's coming together. Deus Ex: Human Revolution did that really very well. I gotta play that. I own two game soundtracks. To be okay. honest with you, I own L.A. Noir. Nice, fantastic, and I own Deus Ex: Human Revolution. Nice. And Deus Ex did that perfectly. Really? I mean, the soundtrack is great. It's, you know, electric. I hate. I, I'm not a big fan. I won't say hate. I'm not a big fan of electronic music. That's fine. Um, I do actually. Steve uh, turned me on to a band called Infinity Shred, who okay. are incredible. But I mean, that and Deus Ex are like the two like electronic things that I listen to. But like. When uh, when Adam is kicking in, or there's certain things that are happening, and you hear that soundtrack, that piece of music <laughs> kick in, you're like, "Oh hell yeah, here yeah, we go!" Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. Um, hold on one second. Computer things. There you go. Um, now that all said, um, my music barely goes near <laughs> like anything that Nubuo Uematsu does, <laughs> um, which I'm fine with. I think. Um, 
enduring the crucible of music education, which I, I don't even know if I can recommend it to anybody <laughs> after the fact, is mm-hmm. uh, one thing it kind of does is fa- causes you to face like the whole world of music if it's if it's a good course i mean they focus a lot on western proper classical mm-hmm. baroque romantic kind of stuff like that so much so that you start to think like oh yeah clearly that john cage track is like the best music ever and, and nobody else in the world outside of those walls knows what that is mm-hmm. which in my opinion makes it not the best <laughs> music ever um and at the same time, though, I, like I got myself a Rhapsody uh, subscription, which was uh, subscription music before Spotify ever mm-hmm. came along, I and I would just absorb so much music. I would I would load up my uh, MP3 player with with songs, and um, like I said, I live in Pittsburgh, but I went to college out here in Philly, so it's about a five hour drive uh, back to Pittsburgh. And I would load up my MP3 player and just listen to bands I never heard before, just music um, out of nowhere, and really just get into you know all all this really cool stuff. Um, Muse is by far my my most favorite band. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolution probably my most favorite album from them, and it that stuff really opened my eyes to kind of like chord changes in interesting ways, you know. You don't have to just do four chords or, or, you know, whatever, but you can really modulate and progress in different ways. And it, it was as good a music education, if not better, than sitting in theory class and, like, writing out, you know, like, inversions and stuff sure. like that. Like, when you actually hear it happening and done well, then you care. You, mm-hmm. Then you understand, like, what you were feeling at the time you heard... Uh, somebody do a relative minor, which is like uh, it's hard to describe, but if you've ever heard like Cold Plays, um, what's that song? The Fix You. Okay. Fix You has this phenomenal ending uh, piece, and one of the main things that is emotionally driving about it is that they do this thing called a relative minor, where they the major chord that they may be playing a lot, let's say it's C major, uh, in the chord progression, is at some point replaced by an A minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those two chords have only one note difference between them, so they're they're related to each other, they're relative. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works really well, and it creates this fantastic effect. That's just an example of something, <laughs> something that, like me describing that to you yeah. is crap. Like that's no, what I mean, that's, like, that's what theory class is. But when if I were to like play it, yeah. then you'd be like, oh, I get it. Yeah. You know? Okay. I mean, uh, that would help if somebody doesn't listen to Coldplay. Like to hear that thing would help me better understand. But also, right. like again, going back to like the education thing, like that's I guess an argument or a thing that people talk about with any kind of creative endeavor. It's like it's how does school outweigh just going and doing it or yeah. figuring it out for yourself and you know not sitting through a theory class but actually listening learning reading mm-hmm. yourself you know so it's uh, yeah. game developer programmer artist musician like yeah. it's it's a, it's all the same for everyone right it's, right we all hit that same crossroads we're like why did I go to college again? You know, it's like <laughs> you spend so much money, and yeah. I, I go like, 
oh, was that real? But I, I every so often there's just that little thing that yeah having learned something about music formally just resonates and I, you know I, I i feel like these days i could have learned more from youtube um but youtube wasn't the same thing it sure. is today back then i mean my my tip to anybody these days who's like looking to get into anything um would be you know google it sure, yeah put how to <laughs> in front of it and then go to YouTube for videos uh, to watch people who do it for a living do it mm-hmm. in front of you. Yeah. A- and that is way better in education than you'll get for the most part. Um, would you Would you recommend something like, I mean, you talked about tabs. Would you recommend something like Rocksmith? Because that's essentially like the video game version yeah, of tabs, right? Like, I, do, I do recommend Rocksmith. I think turning something into a game as, as kind of complicated as guitar is a hard task. Um and Rocksmith does a great job of gamifying uh, tablature and, and you know adds that extra thing of having a backing band and all those those stuff so yeah and I, a real guitar as opposed to a plastic one a real guitar buttons. yeah yeah <laughs> although I mean Guitar Hero while it doesn't help with um, uh, chord forms or anything like that it'll teach you rhythm uh, my rhythm improved from playing Guitar Hero. Like mm-hmm. I can do triplets a lot easier and things like that. But it'll also work your finger dexterity. Dexterity, yeah. yeah. Okay. And and that is applicable when you go over to a real instrument. You're going to find that your your finger coordination and dexterity is 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 going to carry over. So you hit Dragon Force on Guitar Hero, and you're like, screw it, pick up a guitar, and you just jammed on Dragon Force. I, exactly. That's yeah. exactly just, how it's I did that it. That easy. I played both guitars at the same time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> one in each hand. You, you taped know? them together like Jimmy right. Page style. Or yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I strummed it with my knees. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> um, uh, there's a guitarist named um, Michelangelo. It's not his real name, but he actually does that. He mm-hmm. was in a band called Nitro, and okay. he had a four neck guitar oh, that would descend from the sky. <laughs> and I guess like eighties kind of like yes, pop rock exact kind of thing. hair metal, hair, hair metal, like yeah. wigs. Yeah. Um, and he would rock on two Jesus. necks at the same time. <laughs> Back to video game music. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So you went to Eastern. Yeah. Uh, after that, what were you, were you still pursuing music? Were you, what was, what, where were you at post-college, what, post-college Rob doing? Post-college Rob was a big wake-up call. Um, f- turns out music is not the most lucrative thing to dedicate your life to um games you know oh no like no kidding huh yeah (laughs) um so i i ended up really i was in a in a tough spot and uh ended up um going from like a retail job at at micro center to uh I, i ended up getting a job working uh as an account as an accountant or accounts receivable at Theodore Presser sheet music uh, okay. company. So I thought like, oh, this is it. This is my in. But accounts receivable is not music. You mm-hmm. know, like even though I'm around people who can talk music, and um, that's the company I mentioned who who kind of forefront. They're, they're, they're a that. sheet music yeah. company, so they're forefronting like tablature is stealing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you download a tab, you support terrorism. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> right. <laughs> They put that on all their books. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
and you know and and I was it was it was kind of soul crushing because I was in this job where I'm supposed to be like you know in the music world mm-hmm. and at the same time I'm going after little old church ladies because they've missed the payment and just being the man who's just like you know you played um some christmas song without asking permission and we own the rights and now you have to pay up it was it was not what i wanted to think about music as so. you were kicking down doors yelling at people for saying happy birthday <laughs> that's right yeah. smashing birthday cakes ruining uh, kids lives yes <laughs> oh, <this is> the worst. <laughs> Um, so then the recession happened, and then I, I thankfully was asked to leave that job. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, I, I ended up going from place to place. So these days, um, I do IT, mm-hmm. um, which actually is pretty fulfilling. I, you know, the, the third leg of my whole history between you know, music and, and games that naturally comes along is uh, I was really into computers growing up, and I knew my way around computers. And turns out not everybody does. Right. Um, and... It actually, you know, I'd end up finding myself doing IT at any job I ended up at anyway. Because, oh, Rob knows how to do computers. So I thought, hey, I might as well get certified. Um, And I did that, got a job in IT. So that's what I'm doing now. I have a day job um, doing that. And Mm -hmm. then my my night job, uh, aside from fighting crime, (laughs) is um, writing music for video games. Okay. so I guess let's talk a little bit about your, I guess, professional portfolio. Maybe you have some samples you want to play too. Like yeah, maybe this might like blow up the, <laughs> the. Uh, um, so what was the first game that you or I guess, how, okay, here's a better okay. entry into this. <laughs> how did you get into the Game Forge scene? How did you meet some sure. local developers and kind of get into that? Because I know you scored some of the music yeah. for jams and stuff. Um, well, first of all, big shout out to Akash the Car, um, who gave a great talk at PAX East uh, one year. Um, I, I think like I, I knew that I wanted to write music for video games. If anything more than I was kind of resigned to like not doing the whole band thing, not doing the whole teaching thing, but video game music that, that appealed to me. Mm-hmm. So I started going to PAX. Uh, I had some music prepared. I had it on CDs, which is the worst. Uh, handing somebody a CD, like, here, could you listen to it? They're like, yeah, I'll remember that. Um, <laughs> I eventually, though, I went to uh, PAX East one year, and I, I saw this talk uh, by Akash the Car. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very approachable guy. Uh, I recommend like following him on the internet. He always gives out great advice. He's a composer on a uh, Hyperlight Drifter. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh. Um, <laughs> but the thing that he mentioned, he mentioned Meetup.com, and uh, you know, which sounds super shady, mm-hmm. but it's actually a place to meet like people like friends like like-minded individuals like-minded individuals again that sounds very shady <laughs> but it's, well, it's not craigslist personal ads. no it's like a real site it's where you can find a group of people to play D with or if you sure. want to do volleyball or if you want to you know just i'm a car enthusiast or something mm-hmm. so i went on there looking for video game developer groups and i saw cypher prime's name on there and I had known Cypher Prime's name from Auditorium mm-hmm. uh, because that game had gotten onto some podcasts that I was listening to 
and I was just like trying it out. I really liked it on my I played on my computer, you know. And, and so I was like, "What? Cipher Prime is from Philly, and they're opening their doors, and you know, it, all this stuff." And so I'm like, "I, I gotta go. I gotta go do this." And uh, it's, you know, really, I think everybody their first time going to the Forge, they think it's gonna be way more formal <laughs> than it actually is. Mm. Like, like I've seen people show up dressed in suits with like a yeah. resume in tow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, not knowing that, you know, I, I just showed up with my laptop and like my, my business cards and my CDs. And then you just walk in there, just like a group of guys just hanging out, uh, some playing games in a corner. And, uh, I just like, Oh, these are just some cool people. And, um, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember my first thing. There was, there was a game jam that was a excited, elegant shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that he, he, BJ like rigged up like a slot machine to like throw together various uh, words, and and that was what I got. This excited elegant shooter, um, <laughs> and I came up. I think this is awful. I'll play this maybe. Sorry if it's too loud. Um, oh, never mind. <laughs> this is this is like the jokiest thing. <laughs> So that happened. Uh, <laughs> that was like harpsichords and death metal guitars. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, that was fun for a while. Um, eventually showing up enough, I, I got noticed. You know, I started to make friends with people there. And that is the, the real important thing, was making friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I really made... I'm trying to think here. Sorry. Um, oh, you know what? Okay. Sorry. One of the, one of the more important tracks that I, I have is actually missing right now. Um, okay. I, I did the global game jam uh, with uh, Kadaro, mm-hmm. and uh, we made this this really cool ghost hunting game, and I did like a, a Ghostbusters kind of thing. But um, I think before that. I worked on a 1v1 jam. Um, th- these were all kind of crappy. <laughs> so, um, I mean, well, look, it's yeah. like a game jam, right? Yeah. I mean, you, just like the developers, have two days to put something together. Yeah. Or 48 hours to put something together. It's not going to be, you know, a masterpiece, mm-hmm. but it's always, it's the seed of something which could potentially grow to be a bigger thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let me go to my samples. So I think one of the, the more impressive things I ever made was for, for Cutero. He was working on a uh, like a racing game. He says basically like Wipeout. So I called it Whackout. Okay. Uh, and I'll just play a bit of that.
I, I mean, at this point, I'm just playing around with synth sounds that I've had mm. on my computer forever. And I think you'll find this is the case with a lot of uh, laptop composers, is we end up accruing a huge library of uh, synths and loop right. machines and things that we never use. <laughs> Um, and you always like find like, well, this is a pretty piano, and now that's just all of your music. Um, my my rig here, if anybody's interested, um, I have a Apple computer. Uh, my my audio workstation is Logic Pro Ten, um, and I have Native Instruments. Um, right now I'm on like Native Instruments Nine, I think. Um, but I started out with uh, Native Instruments Eight. That's a big collection of, uh, sorry, Native Instruments Complete. Okay. Sorry. Native Instruments is the company. Uh, Complete is a package of all of their various piano samples, uh, violin samples. Mm -hmm. uh, they have, like, different <clears throat> software paradigms. So, like, uh, you know, a sample machine, and then they'll also have, like, a synth. Uh, one of the more famous ones is called Massive, which is what I think I was playing around with for that track. Massive is used in a lot of EDM uh, and and modern dance tracks. Uh, it's actually okay. on its way out because it's overused. Okay. Um, so a lot of guys are moving on to different things. So, uh, sorry, I know I'm rambling. I know. I no, it's it's start. like it's 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 an in it's an interesting process, right? Yeah. I mean, you. I remember. I think the first time I met you was at the Philly Game Jam when you were working with Quadratron or mm -hmm. that group on the. Ben Franklin game. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because I remember you rocking out with this really cool kind of like marching kind of theme and you had your guitar there and everything. Yeah. And I remember at one point Dan was like, Rob, turn it down because you're way too loud right now. <laughs> but you were, you were clearly just kind of in your corner just going nuts. Yeah. I apologize whenever I, I do that. <laughs> uh, but sometimes you have to hear the music out loud before you can hear it. This was the... Uh, uh, aforementioned Light of Liberty it intentionally is copying off of uh, Eye of the Tiger because it's Philadelphia um, we have colonial snare drums um, <laughs> yeah it's awesome and I had to bring my guitar to a uh, guitar to uh, the, the, the forge and just to, to make this happen um, but it was a lot of fun uh, it's, it's fun to plug the guitar in every once in a while because uh, digital guitar doesn't sound as good I skipped forward for everybody wondering. I didn't compose that. That'll <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was uh, the Philadelphia Spirit of Philadelphia so, game jam. Yeah, Ben Franklin was punching people in the face with electricity with electricity while that song was just rocking in the background yeah and i i technically um won an award for that i mean even though i wasn't that's right you guys won the jam right yeah the best best use of the the theme or something um mm -hmm. and there wasn't like a music thing but um 
I just I took that to myself to be like, yeah, I nailed that yeah. like, <laughs> musically. Um, and I've done a lot of stuff with um, with Quadratron uh, before and after that. Actually, um, one of the first things, and I'm not going to play it because it's like a 10-minute track, uh, but one of the first things actually that I ever did music for was Zenis. Uh, he had a game called Arakaibo or Arecibo, based on the satellite in uh, Mexico uh, for the SETI program. And it was a puzzle game, and I just... I had this music already, and it's like this very abstract 10-minute thing, hmm. and I gave that to him. So while that wasn't composed specifically for him, it was one of the first times I contributed music to a game. Um, you can look that up, uh, I think, on Quadratron's site. They have that somewhere. Um they also had me do their family photo uh, thing on, on YouTube. Okay. Uh, which was just, like, Mila doing, like, a speed drawing of the whole uh, group of them. And, you know, it was, like, at the time they were working on Wizards of Beard Power and uh, Threshold. And it, they just put all these characters in there. And I had to just make a one-minute track for that very quickly too yeah. most of these are all made very quickly um and that was just a kind of fun thing and i right now i'm working on music for uh they have a threshold trailer coming out and I, I'll, I'll spare you i won't play all of these but uh <laughs> maybe we'll get around to like one you can request you know it'd be like oh yeah tell, let's let's hear that okay okay um so you also worked um on some bigger titles outside of the game jams, like so, you, what a piece of your music or some of your music is in Hank and Twist Caper, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Woody Fentress and I worked on that together. Um, it was the first time I had collaborated with another musician, and uh, I kind of did it like I wanted to see what how that would change the process. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, do I even have that here? Yeah. Uh, so, if you guys don't know out there, Hank and Twist Caper. Is a game by Sean Pierre or, or a gaming, or gaming. I'm sorry, yeah. um, where basically it's you're using PlayStation Move controllers and it's like a almost like a 3D sort of like twister kind of game, and it is coming to PS4, and your music will be part of that. Yeah, I mean my understanding is that he's gonna get a bunch of different music for it. I think this is what he ended up using. It's been it's been kind of a while since I've. The idea here was there there would be several layers that as the game progressed, the score in the game would progress, you'd get more stuff building up and building up. So this is kind of a demo track I put together for Sean um, of just each layer coming in and then slowly going back out. We found this great sample of a guy saying the word music. <laughs> we thought it's very spacey in there. Yeah. Why not put that in there? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That you're right. That's in Hanka Twist. Uh, I, I, this is. I've, I must be doing something right because I'm now forgetting like the stuff that I've I've worked on. Um, Recently, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go down the list here. I worked with uh, Aaron uh, with Space Whale um, on a game 
a few games. Uh, he had a game called Dragster, which mm -hmm. I think that was just a prototype name at the time. Uh, he did a adaptation of a pot smoking board game uh, called <laughs> Pass the Grass, uh, and I ended up uh, doing the music for for that. So I I ended up coming up with a very psychedelic reggae sitar thing. Oh jeez. Okay. Uh, which actually I'm I'm pretty proud of the end results. That one that one's a pretty good. Give a sample of that one. I I do. That's actually this thing I had I had loaded up right now. sense but you never realize just how much more you're gonna care like somebody's gonna be hearing this somebody's gonna mm -hmm. be paying me for this I need to make this real you know not just kind of like hobbyist sure music um, and I think when I showed that track uh, later on to uh, to uh, sorry uh, <laughs> Again, people I love whose names are over at uh, Flyclops. He heard that, and he decided to, to bring me on to uh, their latest project, um, which is currently on IndieCade, uh, being wanting. Um, no. Uh, that game is called Why Are We Run? And, and by far probably one of my most proudest... <laughs> I remember uh, playing that at Dev Night, actually, yeah. actually at the... Uh... Franklin Institute, uh, yeah, and uh, it, I got the ultimate. It's this jazz thing. Um, the process of coming up with this was really interesting because it's essentially kind of a terrifying game. You're running away from what could be zombies, zombies or yeah. they don't really say. They keep it intentionally ambiguous. So the initial uh, feeling on it. Actually, like Woody early on contributed music to it uh, before they brought me onto it, and it was kind of just scary. It was upsetting, and I was thinking, at a certain point, you're going to be playing this over and over again. You kind of don't want to be oppressed by the music. You want it. You want it to somehow encourage you to keep playing. So, after a long deliberation, and there was actually a whole other like island sounding song I made instead that got rejected um, 
after a while, we, we came up with the 30 Rock theme as kind of being the, uh, the prototype. And we're like, it, we started playing around with it, and it was really fun just to have guys running this kind of music here. Climax coming up. That was just a lot of fun to, to work on with those guys, and, and I really hope that the game does well. Um, yeah, I don't know like how publicly available it is yet, but they they have plans for it if it depending on how well it does on Indiecade. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, so what are there? What is what are some more of your like recent projects? Or even, I mean, it doesn't yeah. have to be game related, but like maybe just hobby stuff. Are you working on anything? Uh, like I wish I had more hobby stuff. Uh, recently, I, I have I had a band. And we're essentially on hiatus for the reasons that bands go on hiatus. Like, two of the... Too much cocaine. Yeah, all, all of the stuff. cocaine, all of the, you know, too much money in between us. And, yeah. yeah. Um, no, guys were moving. You know, one mm -hmm. guy moved to Maine, the other guy moved to Colorado. Uh, another guy, just his, his life got, you know, really busy and he mm -hmm. couldn't do it. And, uh, you know, we were kind of just doing it, hobbyist stuff. We'd meet in the guy's basement and jam out and, and make music. Um, and that was always fun. It's like a different kind of outlet than composing because, uh, jamming, uh, I guess almost maybe with game jamming, it's the same, but w when you're jamming with music, like you, it, it just, you get an opportunity to just have stuff sort of flow out of you and then have a conversation with people about what, you know, you just came up with and, mm. and make something collaboratively and you're only responsible for one instrument, you know, while they're doing it all it's it's a really interesting process versus being you know high overlord of all music <laughs> when you're a composer <laughs> and like you must make all the instruments do like behave however you want to and right but, you know so that right now is is uh, is on uh, hiatus but uh, I'll, I'll definitely you know we're talking about like what to do in the future with that um me and the the remaining guy in there um but yeah, that, that's, I mean, right now, because I have a day job, um, because I'm, I'm focusing on a lot of other life stuff, like I'm getting in shape, uh, I have, I'm, I'm getting married. Yeah, that's a pretty important <laughs> yeah, That's thing. a pretty important one. Yeah. Uh, just under a year from now, next June, um, you know, all this kind of like life stuff, mm. I don't have as much time to dedicate to music and, um. That's why I think, like, for me, Dev Night um, isn't the release it is for a lot of developers. For me, it's it's the time to work. Mm -hmm. um, because I get to go into that environment and be reminded about the creative stuff that's going on. The, the, I'll see projects that I want to be involved with. And I'll, I'll bring my laptop, and, I, and oftentimes I'll, I'll bust it out and start working on music right then and there. Because... It, it gives me a venue or a, a place to, to work. You know, otherwise, my, you know, my apartment is tiny, as you can see. Uh, I don't have like a studio space in here. I have a desk uh, and a laptop. But um, you know, like, it, it's weird, but for me, uh, Dev Night really gave me an opportunity to focus more on music than I, I have in a, in a long time. Um, and, and gave me a, a direction for it. And I got to get back into doing the jams. Um, it was nice for, like, well, 
it's always nice to work on actual projects that are happening. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, that, that stuff has kind of cooled off, um, and i got to keep myself sharp, so the jams are always there as a great way to just work on any skill. Okay. Um, so I'm excited to, to be doing more of that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody. I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, I, I've worked with uh, Ray uh, Merkler, or Meckler, uh, uh, early on. Uh, he's not around as much anymore, but when he shows up, it's always great to see him. Um, I've worked with uh, more Quadratron people. Um, yeah, Cuttero. Oh, yeah, Cuttero put out a game. Uh, that this was my first actual app that had my music in it. Was uh, Retro Sparkle. Retro Sparkle. Yeah, that was a fun one because I actually um, had he had this idea of like a day night cycle on it. Um, so. During the day, Retro Sparkle music is in a major key, and during the night, it's in a minor key. Um, so it just kind of gives you. Uh, I'll see if I can just play this really quickly. But this is the nighttime, and you see so me playing this, and the the colors also change on the screen and stuff. So you'd play that and you get the nighttime, and then if you're playing it during the day, you get this. So same instruments, same general composition, but just the the notes that make it major or minor are, are changed now. So it's happier, more uplifting. I did some things to play more to the strengths of, of those scales also. I always go back and forth on which one is my favorite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sometimes just the Mudrin. And uh, he recently put out some, uh, some DLC on that and um, actually is one of my favorite um, put out some DLC on that. So buy the DLC so you can hear this. Um, I don't know how well this is going to pick up on the mic, but my favorite thing about this track is the bass line, because I did something, and again, this is an example of things you learn in college that you don't think you're going to ever apply, but mm -hmm. then you did. Um, I do something here called a, a phase shift, um, and I'm not talking about the, the effect, uh, I'm talking about the notes here on this bass are, uh, they essentially loop one note sooner than the rest of the song, um, so that they're slowly shifting in phase, out of phase with the rest of the music, and then back into phase. And because the notes are very basic, I think it's just like an octave and like one extra note, it doesn't throw off the overall thing. It's hard, it's hard to pick up, but it was something where I just was like, oh, let me try this out. I, I know like some 20th century composers had made a career out of doing that, and I, I ended up just applying it to this one aspect to this one song, and in the end, I think it made for this really great 
That's a great track. That sounds really good. Yeah. I well, thank you. <laughs> I try to not. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah it great. does. <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> Don't you forget it. Yeah. Punch you in the face. Just leave. Um, awesome. Yeah. So. Um. So, I guess like as we get towards the end uh, of our hour. So, <laughs> it's kind of different for you. Is Maybe. it? Okay. All, all right. right. So, Mr. Publisher Guy. Mr. Moneybags. I'm Mr. Moneybags. Yeah. What are you making with all this money? Uh-huh. I- I've given more thought to this question than I should have. Um, <laughs> and I have too many anti developers be so practical with their answers that you like, Mr. Moneybags show up. And, Learn to yeah. work with what you have. And if right. somebody's like, That's... here's everything, you're like, well, shit. Like they should give, which is that I would build the Oasis from Ready Player One. <laughs> you got if Mr. Moneybag shows up, you got to go out and chase that V. Bomber lucky pose. Yeah, but yeah. for me, it would be real. Like, <laughs> that's on a beach. I know. On, on the beach. So, I mean, to answer the question, if the question is what game I would make or want to be involved with, I mean, it overtake me. Um, you know, I, I would love to see a game. I think how to pitch this. So I read the book, um, the sequel to Ender's Game, which is called Love uh, in Science Fiction, uh, which is kind of like uh, how Dune is. Mm-hmm. Interesting about just the systems of how things work in this human Earth morality or right. things like that. Um, it asks, was just a day-to-day thing, where do you stand on your ability to... That is kind of like you're a... Uh, a xenologer on sort of figure out the life on that planet while at the same what's going on you know like they might want to react really kind of hostily towards the life Um, so like information is your weapon essentially yeah like I've been watching a lot of entities posted like his 40 best episodes bestest And one of the things that stands out is how it's... I think, for me, that's an interesting aspect to explore with games. Um, Thinking in these terms a while back was Flower, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a very peaceful... And the conflict encroaches in such a way that it kind of upsets you that... And make it go away so that you can get back to the peaceful, you know, conflict resolution through violence or or through simple actions. And I, I think, like, if you allow conflict to occur um trying to pitch this game idea is like well you know animal crossing right okay you know like what's the town's react it's almost uh, like yeah it's almost like in cold blood this small town where this horrendous thing has happened and figure out how the town is coping with hunter s thompson like weave (laughs) yourself into the story Mm -hmm. and make yourself part of that story but also how can i help and what led to it, right. and, and you know who's who's it was like okay, so it's it's Animal Crossing, but instead it's a colony, and you're you're there as kind of an advisor, or you know you make discoveries, and those discoveries, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's, so you can see like this kind of gets complex on a certain level. Uh, so that's why this is my money bags game. Is know? it like I mean, what's the presentation like? What would you, what what's I, the presentation like? Give someone a visual like what I it would look like. I feel like. It, Far off, um, maybe like an overhead view or something. An isometric like, camera. Vibe emotions better than if you're close up. You know, with, with clo- a far away view, you can have characters interacting. And, and I, I think, like, um, you know, like, <laughs> th- this would be kind of more of a systems based thing that you end up building your colony on. 
And so it's never going to be the same, the foods on the planet, the, the societies on the, those planets and, and how to interact Top of that, the, the culture of your small little colony, each other and with you and managing their, um, so mm. like it, there, there actually some stress there and some urgency in trying to, I think, you know, having it be kind of a, just a, uh, yeah, three chords you a little more inference about what your charism uh, driven event happen and just sort of imagine rather than having to again like render tears but you know if you're Mr. Moneybags then I told uh, children to cry for me <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know because <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Bobby if, Kodak, uh, mo-capping children cry. Real sequel to Spec Ops: The Line. Oh God! Oh, oh. that's a fantastic. I mean, that's a, like yeah. the thing. Like, I'm a huge fan of The Last of Us. Like, I want to have a discussion about that. Like, it's my favorite game. It's just kind of like, on the surface, is this very generic third person. Yeah. Because like it just unravels to this point of like pure insanity, and again, far too late. You're like you're far gone at some points, and you're like, I'm not sure what's happening or where this is leading. Yeah, because it is like it's pretty fantastic, and like that's gonna go on the. We'll play some third person, like right. the sand is your weapon, because you know, you're playing in Dubai, like hidden underneath that nonsense, and it's fantastic. I I am addicted to that kind of thing. It's, it's in the music too. Like I love something, you know. Like we'll, we'll take the most of these, mm-hmm. you know, like just dun 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 dun. dun, dun. You're like okay, it's like a watch where you have this watch face that's very clear back and you see all these gears underneath and all of these you know his his ostinatos and his music uh, I like to have those little things that maybe are on not on appeals to me creatively movies games whatever I love you know give me some I'm all about that so <laughs> um, okay so stuff in there um, so I want to tell the listeners how they can Robert Colin composer the Miller man um, um, yeah go ahead Plug away. Okay, Sir's Music. Um, you'll you'll get my SoundCloud. I'm gonna try to the podcast. Too. Oh well, thank you. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, and then uh, on Twitter. Um, what is my Twitter? Oh, Rob Miller's Music. Uh, at Rob Miller's Music is my Twitter account. I managed mm-hmm. to get that. Um, and yeah, if, if maybe DM me on on there. Um, so if they need music or someone wants music for a game. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best place to reach it. Yeah, I mean, from there, I can I can like share out you know like my my email address to communicate after the fact, but just you know, reach me on on Twitter. I'll be on there at Rob Miller's Music. Uh, don't forget that S. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's how you can reach me. Okay, SoundCloud. My email my email address is Rob Miller's Mail at Gmail dot com. Keep it consistent. Yeah. So that's so I guess like. Yeah, and then you know who you are. The best way to find me, <laughs> honestly, though, if you if you want if you want come, way to to build any kind of rapport with me or anybody else is just to be. I can show you some music there. You can show me what you're working on, and then you can make it happen. That cool that you can. You get kind of nervous about who's on the other end of that. And am I giving this to and stuff like that? So, uh, yeah, come out to Philly. Game. So this wraps up the latest episode again i stopped counting like whatever um so that wraps up this week's episode we'll be back next week with a